0: Today's episode is packed full of amazing information, ideas, and inspiration. We're going to conclude today's episode with a simple technique for putting everything in the show into practice. It's simple, and you can become competent in the technique with almost no practice, and it will take you less than five minutes a day. The result will be profound. So please walk with me through this episode, and you can step out on the other side Refreshed, renewed, and ready. Hello, colleagues, and welcome to the Assistant Principal Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Frederick Buskey. We are all on a leadership journey. Every day, we have a chance to grow. Every day, we have a chance to help others grow. My goal and the goal of this podcast is to help you grow into being a strategic leader, a leader who puts people before purpose, who solves problems instead of treating symptoms, and who understands the difference between progress and action. Through this podcast, my daily email, and virtual programs, I'm working to build a network of inspired and inspiring school leaders. Let's get started on today's adventure and this unique opportunity to learn to live and lead better. Angela Myers helps people understand the transformative power of technology. She's authored eight books, and her You Matter talk at TEDx Des Moines has been viewed several hundred thousand times. Angela is an alumna of the University of Iowa with a BS in education and a minor in neuroscience, as well as a master's degree in literacy and educational leadership. Most recently, Angela has been named by Angadi as one of the 200 most powerful influencers to follow in 2022, and by LeadersHum as one of the 200 biggest voices, and by Leaders Hum as one of the 200 biggest voices in leadership in 2022. Angela, welcome to the show.
1: Yes, I'm so happy to be here, Frederick. Thank you so much. What an incredible thing that you're doing to support this community specifically, we support leaders in general, but the work that assistant principals do cannot be underestimated because they are both administrator, both like, you know, teacher go-to student discipline, everything. So I just want to say to all the assistant principals, you matter.
0: (laughs) I appreciate that. I sometimes feel like assistant principals are the forgotten leaders. So I think that means a lot.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: I always like to start with a celebration. So what are you celebrating today?
1: Well, I am celebrating that I get to go home. Um, my hometown is Iowa. And so my mother just recently fell. And i it's been really hard being in a different state, watching somebody that you love hurting. And so I'm very excited because I have aunts and uncles and friends. I have was born and raised in Iowa. and I haven't been home for four years, I think. So... I leave tomorrow and I get to go home. So I'm celebrating that.
0: Well, thank you for sharing.
1: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely.
0: Is there a story that will help listeners understand why you're doing the work that you're doing?
1: (sighs) That is, that is such a good question. Um, Like one of the questions that we're asking for this current research is describe a moment that you knew you mattered. And I think my story is a thousand of those little moments that and all of them were with kids <laughs> really like all of them were in the presence of kids who needed me to be in that moment with them and i think every teacher has a story every leader has a story of just literally that one moment where you know that you were needed at that moment that 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 child or that that other whoever that other is looked at you and whether they said it out loud or not were just i'm so grateful you were here in this moment and, and so I have a thousand of those that when I look back on why I do what I do and what makes me get up in the morning, it is, it is all about those moments. Like I, I do not underestimate them. Um, I do not take them for granted. And those moments strung together, make up a 35 year career in education.
0: That's so beautiful. And, <laughs> and I think we will come back to this theme. Yeah, of we'll come back little to moments, moments. I mean,
1: moments. Little moments.
0: So I heard you on Darren Peppard's Road to Awesome podcast back in April.
1: That's a good man.
0: (laughs) He's a great guy. We're going to have him on. I can't remember. I've already recorded that show. And I don't remember if he's coming on before (laughs) you or after. Uh, But so I was out in my yard. My son has a puppy and was repairing fencing that we had let go. And I had my drill in my hand. And I remember the show came on and you guys started talking and you started saying things that I dropped my drill and just went, Oh, oh, oh. My I ran in the house and looked you up on LinkedIn and said, she has to come on oh the show. Gosh.
1: That, so that's a moment. That is a moment that matters. Like it really is like, uh, that is, that just touches my heart. Thank you so much for that. And I'm really honored to be here. I really mean that.
0: Yeah. Uh, and we're glad to have you. You were saying all the things that I've been saying or trying to say, but you're saying it better and smarter <laughs> and what I what I really appreciate is you had the science behind it and I think that's really important especially in the world we live in to be able to that's say, true. hey, th- you know, this isn't just something we're pulling out of thin air. This is real, especially when we talk about human connectivity and being yeah. and people, there's yeah. I think a tendency to say, well, that's kind of soft and squishy, but it it's yeah. not.
1: No not even close <laughs> not even close to soft and swishy <laughs> yeah so my background's neuroscience and linguistics and so everything i do is informed by not just science in general but but science associated with learning and human behavior and understanding that as complex as humans are and they are incredibly complex their motivations and their behaviors are really quite simple and you know whether you go back to maslow or a million iterations of that, we are driven by our brains, by our bodies for safety, security, and survival. And so when we look at that, there are layers of essential needs. We need food, we need water, we need shelter, we need air, we need um, psychological safety, but, but what we also need is mattering. And it is not like, you know, I always say that every person has a sign on them that says, do I matter to you? This is not a hollow question. This is not a question driven by ego. This is encoded in our DNA. We are driven and and oriented to matter. In fact, some of the new research that I um, just stumbled upon is research from infancy, that the first instinct that we have, you think it would be for food or for love, it is mattering. It's actually called the mattering instinct. So when you look at babies, when they, when they tilt their head and they look for somebody, what they're looking for is validation of their existence. Validation of one's existence is the foundation of our dignity. It is the essence of our humanity. So I know that that mattering is associated with the concept of mental health and well-being, but I want to make the case that mattering is also associated with both a moral and societal obligation. When you take people's dignity away, then the the repercussions of that, both to themselves and others, are really disastrous and dangerous.
0: Do you, you wanna say more about that?
1: Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm gonna give you, um, so I shared this yesterday and it's, it's one that I like hesitate to share, but I just wanna show um, the community how instinctual this is and how the the need, the drive to matter affects everything from the moment we were born and how ultimately it's associated with our survival and longevity. So in the 19th century, there was this um, German psychologist or psychologist who did a really diabolical experiment and his name was Frederick. So it was called the Frederick experiment. And what he did to show, I don't know necessarily at that time that it was the mattering instinct, but to really like separate what are our DNA driven instincts and how do they affect us into adulthood. So he took 60 infants away from their mothers and he placed them in the care of nurses and the nurses were forbidden to do anything that would show the baby that they mattered. They couldn't look at them. They couldn't talk to them. They couldn't touch them. All they could do was just deliver the food, water, shelter and air, right? And so the the experiment progressed and every single one of the babies died. They, I mean, now we call it failure to thrive but they all died because the mattering instinct is your first instinct. It is the first one, even though it's associated with belonging and love and security and all of those things associated with mattering, mattering is the foundation. It is the first instinct we have as human beings to understand once we're safe, to understand that we are acknowledged for our existence. And I think that there's another body of research called anti-mattering. And so this isn't even about what we do as human beings to to validate that we matter, to validate that we as human beings are seen and heard and honored and valued, this is when we we come to the conclusion, whether it's perception or our reality, which is our perception is our reality, that we don't matter, anti-mattering. Then nothing else in the world matters. And so there's there's actually an anti-mattering scale that was released, I think two years ago, And it it is accurately depicting individuals what their path is going to be if they don't believe that anyone in the world knows they matter. Mm -hmm. That if they showed up the next day, that anybody would care. And that is a really dangerous place to be. So some of the statistics, and I, I love using statistics that really represent student voice. So I'm gonna just share a couple. Um, Yale Yale did a study for their their center of child development post pandemic. So I think it was two, 2021, late 2021. And it was 21,006 through 12th graders. And they were asked to describe in one word, how they felt, and that's a key, how they felt about school now. And the number one word, so if you can think of in a word bubble, the number one word was irrelevant. And when I show that to leaders, like the first instinct is to associate that with curriculum. Like, oh, well, well, we'll get back into it. We'll get some new technology and we'll update our, our curriculum. We'll adopt this and we'll, you know, buy this. And I I want to push that away and say, they're speaking about how they see themselves in that place. So mattering is defined as our understanding of the significance, our, our, our perception of our significance to others. And so when they're saying they feel irrelevant, they are in a sense saying they don't feel like they matter. That's a really detrimental thing. Maine, the center of youth, there's a center of youth and mattering initiative in the state of Maine. And their post pandemic research was 48% of high school students and 40, 39% of middle school students. I might've gotten that flipped, but you know, almost half believed that they don't matter to anyone. So that is, really dangerous territory, really dangerous territory that I hope sort of shakes us into um, really taking this research seriously. Davos at the World Economic Forum, mattering was the word of the year. So their focus in 2019, the World Economic Forum declared insignificance as the invisible eminent global pandemic this year, 2023, mattering was the word of the event at davos so we we are even though the research has been around for about 50 years i think that that parts of the world are waking up to at the foundation of everything when human beings drive to matter guides every subliminal and explicit decision they make when they get that validation things are, are incredibly wonderful. It is our number one resilience tool, our number one tool for purpose and productivity and energy. And when we don't get that need met, the, the devastation and link to every ailment from apathy to agony is absolutely there in the data. And Aye. I'll just say one more thing and then I want you to just like respond to all of that. <laughs> stunning to me is that in education in all the reform efforts that i've been a part of in 35 years not once has mattering been mentioned been looked at seriously been taken at the essence been explored and 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 really really um uh, sought to be understood and that that worries me a lot so i'm going to be quiet now because i could <laughs> go all day there's so much research it's stunning but what what do you think about that frederick
0: the anti-mattering, when we don't get that mattering, yeah. the consequences are so, so Great. incredible.
1: Absolutely. And,
0: and I, I've been sitting here kind of almost like I can feel my body tightening up, yes. right? Because yes. we're talking about people not mattering and, right. and the, the tragedy and the scale, of the tragedy. And then what makes it worse is as we'll get into here, like, it's not that hard.
1: No. it's not that
0: hard. <laughs> and, and, and so, so I think we've, we right now just established like this is not optional.
1: No. showing no. people
0: that they matter is not optional. The the negative effects are absolutely detrimental. I am not a science of reading person. Uh, that's complicated. There's a lot you need to learn to do, to do the science of reading and and those things. But by the end of this podcast, people are going to know how, how to teach absolutely. people that they matter. Cause it's absolutely. not rocket science.
1: It's and, not. And, and yet so it I, is. Yeah. And yet it is deep, deep science. Like we're not guessing. We don't have to guess anymore. Right. These processes that make the most difference with people. Yeah,
0: yeah, the science is behind it, and so that's what I want people at this point in the absolutely. show to just embrace and realize: like, we're not talking about squishy stuff. We are talking nope. about science-backed things that are absolutely critical to health and well-being, and and more critical than all your curriculum stuff and all of the we're other things.
1: Than any other factor. Absolutely.
0: So I, I've been. I used to be big on purpose driven. Like organization, yeah. organizations yeah. should be purpose driven, and and that I started to really call that into question during the yeah. pandemic for a yeah. number of reasons. But a lot of the human suffering, yeah. both within our household and around that I saw, and and finally, like it, all the pieces came together, and 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 I've just been saying now, it it's people before purpose, because yeah. the purpose <laughs> gets distorted. Yes. And we go out and and we do all these other things. It's people before purpose. And I think when I heard you, the light bulb went off for me in understanding how to explain that. Because what what does that mean? It's people before purpose. Yes. It means that people matter.
1: Right. And we need to start there. Yeah. So I think that's huge on so many levels for just clarification purpose before we look into the practice, I wanna define mattering and its component parts. So mattering, as I said, is the sense that you have significance to others around you. Now, others is a really important word, the people word. We need each other to matter. And that's, I think, a point of um, confusion is because we think mattering is about feeling good about ourselves. is about self-esteem, it isn't. Mattering is about our relationship with others. So there's relational mattering, which is the others in my direct world, and there's societal mattering. And they can overlap, but they're really, really different. Like Black Lives Matter is societal mattering. It's when an entire segment of our society feels like they aren't significant to the rest of society. So I want to talk today, like in our context, um, I might have to come on for the societal one, but for relational mattering, because that's really... The work that we do we are in we are um in specific really foundational developing relationships with the most important humans in the world which are the ones that we lead and serve and so when we look at what you go through to figure out what the drive is to matter and how that emulates itself over the years as kids develop and grow that's really really important because i i want to just keep reminding leaders That a human being will do anything to matter so they will do anything positively and if that doesn't work they will do anything and everything negatively so this isn't survival of the fittest this is survival to matter and so we have to think about all behavior is driven by this 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 instinctual dna level coding Like I um, interviewed with a researcher a couple of weeks ago. He specializes in elite athletes on the, basically it's mattering, but from the perspective of perfectionism. So why you see so many elite like human beings that have accomplished great things from movie stars to singers, to athletes, because their push to be perfect is to fulfill that DNA level need of mattering. And when they achieve that goal, there's still an emptiness because they were pursuing it from from a lens of practices that didn't influence mattering. And so I think that's really important when we teach our staff, when we teach our parents, when we teach kids, what are the practices that have the most impact on mattering? And as you said, not only is it not difficult of all the variables of all the states of psychological being from loneliness, to belonging, to shame, to vulnerability, those could potentially take years, even decades of therapy to work through the process and practice. An individual has the power to increase someone's mattering component, mattering quotient, if you will, in both another and themselves with very simple actions it is the most malleable and the most adaptable of all the the states which is what makes this research so powerful is of all the things that we can control this is this is one of the biggest and not only that it has the most impact Hmm. so um, that's why this next science this next science is really important before I really knew the science and I could see a sense of mattering leaving kids. I taught every grade from preschool to graduate school. Five-year-olds know they matter. Like they show up, they are, they are like, are you not honored to be in my presence? Like how lucky you are to have me right here in your classroom, like they are, and it's not ego. They're just like, they're just so unapologetically worthy. And so then you move up and kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, and like literally by second and third grade, I was, I was seeing kids like heads down hiding and holding in the things that made them beautiful and unique till you, you could see like the the soul of their smile going out by the time they were in high school, school was not a get to do. It was a have to do. It was like a punishment. Like you have to go to school today. And it shouldn't be that way. You're in the presence of others. It should be the most amazing experience. So I, I was like, I've got I've got to figure out why this is happening. So I worked with South by Southwest and the team there about, I think it was eight years ago. And we asked 500,000 kids one question, what would make you run to school? And just like, why don't you run to school anymore? When you were five, like you, you slept in your backpack, like you ran to school, What? why? And it came down. The biggest conclusion was they wanted to matter. They wanted to know if I'm going to run to oh on your worst day. That was the caveat. What would make you run to school on your worst day? And the the results came back. Not only they just wanted to matter. That's it. They didn't want like to have like you know field day or more recess or they did want good food for lunch. They did want that, but they just like wanted to know somebody like was excited about their existence. Like that that um, you know newborn instinct. And then we broke it down to actions and behaviors what would let you know that you matter to somebody what could they specifically do or what do they specifically do and they describe moments of mattering and it was actually stunning when i first read it like the first thing was say my name say my name and i was like so weird because i was with five and six year olds they demand you say their name 500 times and then we started following like what we call the customer's journey with middle school, high school kids. You can literally go without your name being called at all because we're not addressing you as a human. We're, we're saying, all right, today in science, here's what we're doing boys and girls today in math, here's what we're doing. And 48 minutes later, you're t- today in, in history, we're doing this and you're not even a human anymore. So when you broke all of those responses down, say my name, notice me, empower me, honor me, all of that, it really comes down to three behaviors that encompass a lot. They seem really simple. So I call it noticing, naming, and needing. So noticing, naming, and needing. Those are the three drivers of behavior that change a person's state, psychological state, emotional state. Um, you know, energy state, every, every kind of state. And so if I broke those down really carefully, noticing is absolutely so, so important. So if I, if I said, if I wanted you to implement one, it would be this one, it would be noticing. Because if you think about the world, somebody asked me the other week, like, why do you think this one is becoming so hard? Or, you know, why? And I think two things. I think the first is we live in a distracted world. I mean, we talk about it all the time, but literally we live, we have to plan to unplug. Like it isn't something that we do naturally. Everywhere we go, every single stimulus is out there pulling our attention, pulling our attention. When you look at dinner, people are on their phones. They're not looking at each other in the eyes. They're walking down the street. It's it's really a sad, sad state. And I'm passionate about technology. So putting away and and putting a shield around the distraction for even a couple seconds seems like such a simple task, but it isn't. We are hurried, we are busy. We're not talking about just assistant principals and superintendents are busy. We're talking about three-year-olds feel ragged, five-year-olds feel ragged, kids in elementary, feel stressed because they are overscheduled and moving from this and shuffling to this. And every minute of the day is no wonder that anxiety is higher than high. So I think that's one factor. I think the second factor is something we unintentionally perpetrate, that mattering is dependent on others. Our entire school system focuses on individuals, individual achievement individual scores, individual identity related to those achievement and scores. We analyze the essence of a human in school based on what they do individually, irregardless of anybody around them. And those that don't hit that mark, we then subconsciously label them as a whole lot of other things because they didn't hit that mark. So when you look at how you thrive and how you survive. It is your relationship with other people, not your individual accomplishment that fulfills you. And that goes back to like the elite athletes and the Michael Jacksons and Whitney Houstons and all of these amazing people that are surrounded by individuals, but they don't have relations with those individuals. So that those two factors make noticing not only A priority but make it difficult and requiring of a commitment in practice and so when you notice another person what you're saying to them like that little baby looking up is i honor that you exist it is the bedrock of dignity when you look over somebody when you look through somebody when you just i mean we've all been in that situation where like I was just at the airport a couple of days ago and there's a guy in front of me and he's looking and the, like, he's super stressed. And the person that's taking this thing, just typing away, not even looking down, just typing away. And you don't even look up and honor one another as human beings. We think of it as such a simple act, but noticing is the foundation of mattering. And so you have to build that in, you have to build that in. And so that's when, when you look at individuals, when you are in there, your presence is what's required to make a mattering moment. So it doesn't take a whole lot of time. We estimate two, two to 20 seconds, if not less than that, that it takes to make another human feel noticed. And there are techniques that you can use. Eye contact is a big thing. Smiling, saying their name, putting down distractions showing the other person that you are taking effort and energy into honoring them. And that's why I say that mattering is much more than a well-being, you know, gimmick or the newest phase or the newest iteration of SEL. This is really about when we don't notice others in our presence, we unintentionally, rob people of human dignity and people that are robbed of human dignity that feel because that's one of the when I look at the words kids use to describe their state when they say things like I feel invisible I feel irrelevant I feel like 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 insignificant those are really really deep emotional states that are because of a series of moments where they have been unnoticed, where they have been ignored, where they've been overlooked. So what, what do you think about that?
0: My mother-in-law Maggie passed away in 2020. Yeah. And (laughs) I, I can still hear her voice because every time I would walk in her house, she would stop everything that she did. Yes. She would turn and look at me and she would say, why Frederick? And in that moment, she always made me feel like I was the most yes. important person yes. in the world because yes. everything stopped
1: yes, except
0: that interaction with the two people. And it took one second, one second. And, and I one can't second. tell you what happened after, right? but right? I can't tell you all the conversations and we yeah. had great Absolutely. conversations Absolutely. that were, you know, these intimate moments but when you talk about those small moments that happened over and over again over and over and when i think about her that's i i hear that every day and and it makes me smile every time yes. i think about it
1: yes it changes your state it changes your emotional physical psychological biological state when you just like it does with babies but over time <clears throat> when you go through the world feeling invisible it also changes your state just like there's, you know, moments that, you know, can change your path. You don't know which moment it will be. This is a moment we need to think about. So neuroscientists call that moment, the hijacking of the amygdala. So that's the emotional part of your brain in your limbic system that controls and opens up the pathway to your frontal lobe. So that is the quickest way to secure the heart of an individual to, without them even knowing, like to show them that they matter. And by doing that, they're willing to share a little bit of themselves. Like if you think about that 95% of who we are as human beings, the important stuff, how we feel, what we think, our stories, our experiences, our feelings, our thoughts, all of those things are hidden 95% of the time. And so your job as a teacher, as another human being in this, in this thing we call humanity is to create a space where a human being um, chooses to unhide themselves, chooses to reveal something about themselves that they might not have. They're just, you're just waiting to do that. And most of the time, no one ever bothers to take time to be present. And it doesn't, again, take a half an hour deep, you know, conversation. It sometimes takes a smile. It takes a hello, it takes a head nod, it takes, and, and to, to not underestimate those elements. Just one statistic, there's a, a large turnaround school that I worked with in Texas that had a huge truancy rate. And they, you know, tried all these interventions and I said, you know what, let me do this just, it's it, like Jim Collins calls it autopsy without blame. And I just wanna look at the first five minutes of every period. I just wanna go through the school at the first five minutes. in in the customer's journey to see what what stimulus kids get from the moment they walk into the parking lot, into the building, into that, understanding that most of the time, and no criticism at all, this is autopsy without blame. Everybody is busy, hurried, getting ready for the day. They're at their desk, go take your seats, open your textbook, I'll get to you in a minute. Yeah, write it down. Yep, like secretaries aren't like out there in the front, like looking like, so if you were struggling to exist that day to get up in the morning and you go in this hurried and you know fast way it is not a a stretch to think that that it would you know be possible for people to feel like my god if i didn't even show up today nobody would even notice because it's true <laughs> a lot of times we don't notice so that's the only thing that we shifted we couldn't get every teacher to stand outside the door and greet every child individually but we did variations of that. We taught kids how to notice each other. Take the first few seconds, give your neighbor a high five, turn to your neighbor and say, you look awesome today. Really silly things. We met the kids at the door and truancy within six weeks dropped in half, like went from 36% to like, it was insane, like 11% because of that, because there was somebody waiting for them to say, oh my gosh, I see that you exist today. And I'm really happy about that. I'm really appreciative that you're here. And it's, it's just <clears throat> that simple and that difficult.
0: So I'm going to ask for your help to yeah. let's refine a practice as I've yeah. been teaching and preaching on presence yes. and, and again, just trying to keep things simple, simple. and, and, and things are difficult, but we can make them simple, which makes them a little 100%. bit easy to execute. 100%. So I think of of I'm t- trying to teach assistant principals to bring presence in two forms. Yeah. One is the the kind of personal connection, yeah. personal presence, yeah. and the other is professional presence. Absolutely. So I have two really simple techniques for very busy administrators yes. to do that. Yes. The first one is I just call it asking the second question. Mm. And so when I encounter you, Angela.
1: Yes. Yes. But,
0: you know, we have this habit in our society that we say, "Oh, how how are you, Angela?"
1: You, right.
0: And then you say, "I'm fine," and then we yep. walk on. And
1: you walk away. Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because I don't really care how you are. And right. I'm exactly. just being polite. So <laughs> right. asking the second question is pausing and say, "No, like really, how yeah. are you?" Yeah. And and I think that hits most of what you just talked yeah, about, 100%. right? Because now I I've, yep. I've gotten rid of all the distractions. I've signaled to you that I actually care. Yep. I actually want to know the answer. I've yes. made eye contact yes. with you. I, as you were breaking things down, it occurred to me what I don't preach in that technique is saying the person's name. So that's something I'm going to add. So that's it's not just, no, really, question. how are you? It's, yeah. no, really, Angela, Yeah, how are you?
1: Absolutely, yeah. Right. So for... Um, so there's, there's also the key is what you're doing is presence and connection. So connection before content, always a hundred percent of the time, you've got to secure the heart before the brain will give you anything. Like you can defy biology, but good luck. And it just, again, takes seconds. So this is at a staff meeting. This is at the morning. This is when you are present in the morning and greet staff. Like you're talking about shifting literally 10 seconds or less a day is how you greet people matters. And then to not always put that just on you. So I do a lot of work with different industries, with hospitality industries, with, with brands, with businesses. And so companies that do this right have what we call in the world of work, heart share. They don't even compete on market share or mind share. Their research and development. Is about mattering, and so companies that are most famous for it, you know, Disney, Starbucks, Zappos, um, Ritz Carlton, all of this. So I have this presentation for businesses called "You Don't Have to Be Disney to Create Magic for People." So if you take the principles of when you walk into a place, all that they have done. So my daughter works for Hilton, and they are redoing this whole new era, millennial era of hotels, like. Hilton used to, you know, used to be like, and it still is like a luxury, you know, mid sized luxury, not Ritz Carlton, but they put a lot of effort and energy into the room. Like, so you felt, you know, really pampered in the room. And the lobby was just that. It is the complete opposite. All the intervention, all the renovation, all the reframing is at the lobby. So that when they walk in, from the second they walk in, even before you are greeted by a human, This is where we can advance technology. So I just was at a Hilton and I got a text that said, welcome. We're so happy. It looks like you've arrived. We'll be with you shortly. Um, If we can get you anything. When I walked, this is like so powerful about the name. When I walked in on the TV, it had my name. So welcome, Angela. And it said, you know, glad I'm a returning customer. Glad you're back. Um, there was, uh, like on my room number, they put my name, like, these are not like accidental things. They seem very subtle, but this is a, we are the totality of our moments. And so these little teeny moments that said, like, I, I see you, I'm glad you're here. Let me say my name. And this is even before I got to the counter that said, if there's anything I can do and it, and, and you can do that at a super eight or you can do that at the Ritz Carlton. We can do that in in a school that is at a turnaround level or we can do that in what would be that is what makes magical human moments. And so if we do that with each other and we teach each other because it isn't just it isn't just on one person. This isn't just the leader's job. The leader is the model, but this has to be embedded in the DNA of of the organization. So everywhere I went on this property um, every single person that I encountered, literally it could be the person doing laundry, somebody carrying you know, room service or whatever it was, every person, every touch point, every place I was, the person stopped what they were doing. They looked at me and smiled and asked me at least that first question, how's your day going? And the key was they smiled, they were all smiling and it totally changed the entire atmosphere. Now I'm hypersensitive to that. But just imagine how simple that would be if teachers smiled, even when they didn't feel like it all the time, and they presented a presence that was joyful, a presence that was appreciative, a presence that was, you know what, no matter what happens in the day, I'm just glad we, this is the get to do, we are the get to do. And it sounds, and I know that people go through, you know, lots and we're busy and we're hurried. But this is worth slowing down for. This is worth taking, you know, two to 10 seconds in the morning. Then you can be hurried the rest of the day. And then just, you know, think about that. So how you greet people and how you leave people are the most important moments in any experience. So think about, you know, think about how we're greeting kids and how we're leaving kids. And it could be, so one of the turnaround schools I'm working with. Um, what they did is a principal said like, my building is so gigantic. I cannot get like to every teacher or whatever. So he said, I just play happy music when they walk in off the bus. So there are things that we can do that we know biologically change our state. We can change the lighting. Like we can, you know, do different lighting or do different music or anything to be aware that if we don't hijack that amygdala right away, that we don't have a shot at their full Force, attention, and effort, engagement and energy. So if you want that, this is what you need to do to impact that human behavior.
0: So I'm a relatively maybe I'm a brand new assistant principal or I'm in my second year. We're getting ready to start school. I know I have some new teachers coming in. I'm I'm all excited listening to this podcast. And I think, okay, I am gonna help those new teachers understand that they matter that they matter to me that they matter being in the school but i also know i'm gonna have
1: so much time. this
0: much time and it's gonna be so much distraction and pressure so how what are one two three things that i can drill into my mind between now and the time that school starts that i am going to do these actions to communicate, not just communicate that they matter, but to start to build that relationship, right? That's the point of it.
1: Okay, so this is perfect. Cause I was gonna leave this to the end that puts these, so those three things that are crucial, that are what are the conditions that humans show up feeling like they mattered? And they are, humans need to feel seen and noticed and acknowledged. They need to feel valuable and appreciated. And they need to feel significant and needed and and um y- invaluable to another person. So if you put all that in a daily framework, the framework I use is called two five two. And so two and two, the last first two to twenty seconds, the last two to twenty seconds, those are what scientists call primacy and recency. So that means how you greet people and how you leave people are how people are gonna feel. They don't remember the middle. They just remember these very peak moments. So the first time, so no matter what, wherever you're at, that when you're encountering people, you've got to train yourself and be disciplined about pausing for just a second and smiling at them, nodding at them, waving, your eyes say a lot, your smile says a lot. So you don't have to even dig into like, how's your day? How are you? It can just be great to see you. If you can slip in their name, like quadruple bonus points. That's like, you know, in pinball, you get the whole like bells and whistles going off. So um, people respond to their name. It's the most like Dale Carnegie says, your name is the sweetest sound in any language. It cuts across to anything. So just hearing your name, is a, a, you know, a, an honor to your existence. So if I see you in the hallway, I'm not, I'm going to look up from my phone. Hi, Frederick. So just try to be conscious when you're in the halls, when you're you know, opening a session, closing a session, it doesn't have to be long, but touching people as well. And I know you gotta be super careful about this, but human beings respond to touch. This again, goes back to infancy research. Like, just like, I am a very touchy person. I'm from Iowa. Like I have to hug people, it drives them crazy, but I just have to, but you can also do a tap on the shoulder. You can do a tap on their hand, like putting like somebody's hand like that for just a couple seconds, is just another layer. So what you have to think about is you are creating conditions where somebody's potential to feel like they matter increases. And even if it's just a small shift that doesn't exist accidentally, it requires very specific biological conditions. So anytime you greet somebody or it's the first, um, you know, element with somebody, just use you know common sense, the things you know intuitively. Look at them smile at them, be pleasant, even when you're like not feeling the best. Sometimes it's it's um, actually what gets you out of your own way and your own mood, because there's something that comes back to you, that re- reciprocates back to you when you know that you are influencing someone else's mood or state. And then the last two is um, making people feel like you can't wait for them to come back the next day. Like you can't like see you tomorrow and, you know, great day. I can't wait till see what tomorrow brings or, you know, bring it on tomorrow or something like that. So the practice I used in my um, in my classroom was called wow moments. And so we just shared with each other for five seconds. You could just turn to a neighbor. You don't have to share the whole group, something that made you go. Wow. Something that made you happy that you showed up and 90% of the time the wow moment was another person. So my kindergarten students set this challenge for me 34 years ago. Your goal every day is to be somebody's somebody. And you might not make it, you might not know you were, but you are there to be the reason somebody else smiles, somebody else wipes away a tear, some somebody else sits up or stands up a little more. You have that much power. Every individual has that much power. And it's in using that power, you become significant to other people. So that's the two and the two. So the five is not scientific at all. It is um, an exhausted first year teacher trying to teach kindergarten. And I, uh, they, because they demand their essential needs being met. Like you need to notice me like right now at the second in the middle of math class and you just can't keep up. So like week two, I'm like, okay, you guys, here's the deal. You are awesome and you are doing amazing things every day. And I notice it, but I cannot keep up. So I have actually, I shared this yesterday. This is my original noticing notebook. Hmm. So I said, I bought a notebook and I am going to promise you this. I am not going to catch everything amazing that you do, but I don't underestimate that every day you do and are amazing. So I made a chart. And so I picked five kids a day and that's where the, the five came from. It can be one person a day. And I said, you five, you can be awesome on Monday and I'm going to notice you. (laughs) You can be awesome on Tuesday. You can be awesome on Wednesday. And all I would do was carry my notebook and I would just be present for them in whatever they were doing. I wasn't there to coach. I wasn't there to coddle. I wasn't there to solve anything. I wasn't there to do anything other than bear witness to who they are now and then write something in my book. And so when I would write it down, of course they would be like, oh my God, what did you write? What did you write for me? And and I just wrote like something I appreciated, something that mattered, something that like I call it a lasting compliment, something that I'm just so appreciative that they show me every day. Um, And then what started to happen like within two weeks, Kids would say like, Mrs. Myers, Frederick did something amazing, but it's Thursday and he's not awesome until Tuesday. Can I go write it in your noticing notebook? And then it just became a practice that we did. And that just kind of turned into our wow moments. I want to share with you a wow moment that Frederick did today. Like I was struggling and he picked up my paper when I fell and he didn't make fun of me or whatever it was. And it was just incredible. This is why I keep this. This is why the noticing notebook is so important The kids, when I was sick with a sub one day, I know you can't see it. They were like putting, for me to take home on the weekends, putting their address, their phone number, their mom's email, their cousin, they signed it. This whole thing is filled with contact numbers in case that I stumbled across some human doing something awesome that we would have each other's backs, that we would take care of it and we would contribute it to the notebook because that is the essence of being alive is being witness and bearing witness to other people when we lose that we lose not only that person's dignity but we lose our humanity what what is our existence for if not to be interested in another person and so it it changes you it changes you from the inside out so you think it's going to be about like i'm going to make the news you know the new assistant principals feel so good about themselves But in essence, you are, you're increasing your mattering because you are increasing their mattering. So I, my advice to assistant principals is pick one or five. I don't care. Like I've kept a practice of five people for 35 years. So every single day, almost I pick three to five people and I, I share something I noticed about them. Very simple. And so you can formalize it. Like I, I have these mattergrams. Um, I worked with Canva, the um the comp is it Canvas that and so Canva. they have these Canva, they have these mattergram templates that are digital or just on a sheet of paper or just the two words, you matter. But being specific about why somebody matters, not what they do, not related to their job, but to who they are as a human being, what you notice, what you appreciate, what you value. Um, what you would be um, less than because if it was not if it was absent is something that people will keep forever they will keep lifelong so I'm not saying you get every teacher but you can hit one teacher a day you can take five seconds and sit down and just keep a running record or a whole stack of what I call mattergrams right there and a and there's something about, a handwritten note because I was telling kids throughout the day and I've been telling people for three decades, like you matter and here's why, but there is something really precious when you put it in writing, when you note it, when you make it public even. So I've seen staff rooms that have like what we call wow, wow, walls, walls of worth, where we put what we notice about each other up and just, just like kids. When you put wow walls up for kids or you put, you matter, like, I don't know, I hate the word bulletin board, but you matter areas in there. It doesn't matter how long that's up there. Every single day, kids will go to their name. They will look it, they will go to their name and we have to like utilize the walls. There are third teachers. So like having walls that just say, um, you know, Frederick and writing words that you love about Frederick and letting kids interchange those, letting them add to that, that's up the whole year. And every single day, kids will not walk by and not stop and pause and look because we are all five-year-olds in our heart. We are all five-year-olds that want to see our, our paper on the refrigerator of our mom's house. And when we come and that day that your mom or your grandma takes it off the refrigerator, you're like, where did that go? Even though that was 18 years ago, where did my picture go that it was on your refrigerator? like. It is human behavior at its, you know, most basic sense. So two, five, two,
0: two, five, two. And, can, and I yeah. think we will, yeah. there's, we will start to, to wrap this up because that's yeah. a great Perfect. place to yeah. end. Perfect. And that two is pause, smile, look bonus to get the name.
1: Yep. yep. Two
0: seconds. That first interaction that the second two is make them feel like you can't wait to see them again.
1: Yep. And then the
0: middle is the number that you're going to fill in on how many people you make that conscious effort to really make sure that you connect with. I love it.
1: And it doesn't have to be, it can be five a week. It can be five a month, but it, the part of it is that it becomes a practice in your life that it isn't, you know, these moments are magical. They are mood changing, but they are also life changing and, if we recognize we all can point to a moment in our life that tragically or beautifully changed the trajectory of our life. Like we say, it happened in an instant. Well, you can in an instant change someone's state. And by doing that, you remind yourself that you matter. So yeah. yeah. Thank you. You are so welcome. Thank you for what you do.
0: As we wrap up, I have a couple questions for you. And the first one is, what part of your own leadership are you still trying to get better at?
1: Oh my gosh, there's so many things. I don't even, that's a whole long list because every day, like, um, I would say probably I wrote a manifesto for mattering that kind of summarizes these principles. And the first principle is that you are enough. And by enough, I don't mean that it is all about you, but it is understanding that the word dignity is defined as a sense of a foundational worthiness, a sense that a human being understands just because they are a human being, just because they exist, that they are worthy of being treated and, and valued in a certain way. So I think that's that's what I mean by enough. And it's really hard. Like I preach this, I live this, and still I struggle with enoughness every single day. Like, am I dooming enough? Am I busy enough? When I, like just understanding that bringing your, I used to say, bring your best self to the world, but sometimes our best self, it it isn't about perfection. It isn't about like, sometimes it's just bringing your full self to the world. And that could be authentically and honestly, when you have a bad day, but you are still present with other people. You still show up for other people. You show other people how to show up when you don't want to show up. So I think being, being okay with, you know, being enough sometimes and not being who you you know perceive yourself to be that 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 i mattered that i am enough so yeah. that's the hardest thing always a daily a daily struggle <laughs> i
0: i heard this interview with bb uh, king and yeah. he said every day i go out and i do what i'm best at and every day i give my best yeah sometimes my best is not as good as others
1: yeah yeah right yeah it's absolutely right. That's the essence of authenticity, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So being able to give ourselves some grace and what I, what I love so much about the work we do with kids and even with teachers is you think that they, they want and expect even demand perfection, but the opposite is true. You give people to be, you know, you give them permission to be their authentic selves. When you show that, you aren't perfect, especially in a role as an administrator, as a leader, that, you know, what you are is real and what you are is real and present. And so you are, you know, strive for presence and not perfection. And it like, it's such a remarkable thing. um, The things we worry about in our effort to be perfect, in our effort to be what we think others need us to be, what others need you to be is present is to be witness to them. We need each other. So thank you very much. And I'm just sending like the best of hugs and love to the entire community. You are not for, you are not forgotten. I see you and I hear you and I honor you. So thank you very, very much. Assistant principals everywhere.
0: <laughs> and Angela, you just gave us the title for the show, which is, <laughs> I, I can't read my own writing. You said, so you said, um, strive for presence, not perfection yes, as I just modeled so well for oh,
1: you, you you did it on purpose <laughs> to remind no, it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. So yeah. you
0: <laughs> and yeah. And the power is in the presence, not what you, yes. the power is in the presence and oh. then just listening. So you don't have to be perfect. I love it. Thank you.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Where can people learn more about your work? Yeah. Is there anything specific that you want to share that you're doing right now, what help people? So, find
1: um, before the pandemic, like th- probably the most exciting, not the most exciting, because I love every single part of working with schools and teachers and and kids. But I think that it, it is very helpful because this isn't just a mission. It, it is a movement and a movement needs sort of ambassadors, needs people to remind each other that, you know, I know you heard Angela. I know you know about this, but we want to remind each other. Like, so I'm calling them like, uh, what do I, they have been different names, but like almost a culture council. So it's not on one person. Like we we talk about self-care, this is community care. This is individuals that are, that come together with the sole purpose of um, taking the pulse of the, the pulse of the school so that we never get into the place. Like, oh my God, I can't believe kids believe that. I can't believe kids think they don't matter. I can't believe teachers think they don't matter. And the best um, ambassadors in the council are kids, because teachers don't have time for another committee or whatever it is. So I do this live training with kids and and take them what I call through change maker boot camp, because it, you need to like strip down your individual and and your us and your your goal is bigger than yourself. And so before the pandemic, I was doing about ten a year. So I've seen in the last five years about thirty thousand kids, and and and. Sort of like set them up for being change makers in their own world, not just the world, but their own world. And that starts with their school and their spaces. So, I am, I, my goal is to get that up and running again. I had corporate um, sponsors. So, Microsoft was my partner for four years, Apple, IBM, but I feel like I want to do it even more grassroots. It doesn't have to be as, you know, I don't know. I don't know. So, if any school is interested, um, in like creating student change makers that and i like using younger kids like um like i start at kindergarten but if you wanted to like 6th 7th grade because then it evolves and they like pass the torch each year and it it stays a sustaining movement and it's from the inside out and to not burden teachers with another thing they have to do but putting i mean this is a community mission and we need each other in it and kids can give us really deep thoughtful, concrete insights on what matters most to them. So, and that in turn makes teachers feel like they matter. So that is, I'm really most excited about reigniting that work. And and I'm, you know, I'm online everywhere. Angela Myers, if you don't remember the last name, spelling, just type in Angela, you matter and you'll get to all my stuff. And I'm on every social media channel except TikTok. You are welcome because I don't dance. Um, And just reach out to me. Like this isn't a slick for me. This isn't like a thing this is my living breathing embodied mission and so any question you have anything you need just reach out connect on social anywhere email me whatever you need um yeah this this matters more than anything else this matters
0: great and and i know when you say that you're not just saying reach out to me if you want to go do, right. to do a gig together. Absolutely, um, no, yeah.
1: absolutely. Just in general, if you need it, yes. like absolutely reach out. Just sometimes you just need somebody to say like, you know, there's a, a one, of the, one of my participants a long time ago wrote a little note. I just want somebody to kiss me on the forehead and, and tell me they're glad I'm here today. And I'm like, everybody has a little note like that in your pocket, use that chip, cash it in. You just need that, you just need somebody that just recognize, I'll give you a kiss on the forehead virtually and just, you know, tell you, I see you. And sometimes that's all you need. So it is, that was just one of the things I was super excited about is getting back with kids because I think it's a sustaining model, but literally anything, um, you know, let me know. And Frederick, I'm going to send you just some curated resources on sustaining a culture of mattering, um, some, some really inspiring stories from school, and then you can use that, share it however you want.
0: We'll, so we'll put that. We all have, we have all the show Notes. stuff on our website at frederickbuskey.com backslash Perfect. the assistant principal podcast. So we'll make sure that that is up with the episode and people can yes. go. And download. Angela Smith, well, so, so awesome. Yes. Thank you so much.
1: Yes, absolutely. I'm just so honored. So thank you for what you do. Have a good little bitty rest of the school year. And let's, let's like kill it next year. Like, like absolutely just crush it with these very simple actions that make a massive permanent transformative impact.
0: Angela Myers. Thank you.
1: (laughs) You are so welcome.
0: We're going to keep this wrap up short and sweet. You matter and knowing that you matter to others is the key to unlocking your world. As a leader, you have the power to hand people their own keys by communicating to them that they matter. I began the show by telling you that you could take one practice away that would be simple yet profound. I'm going to suggest tweaking Angela's 252 to be something like 222. So the first two, pause, smile, look, and name the person you are with. Make the world stop. And let them know for two seconds that they matter. In fact, for those two seconds that they matter more to you than anything or anyone. The second two is to ask the second question. Angela, how are you? No, really, Angela, how are you? And the third two, after listening, is to let them know you cannot wait to see them again. If you aren't sure how to do that, just try something like, I'm so glad we're in this school together and I can see you each day. Two, two, two. Pause, smile, look, and name the person. Ask the second question and let them know that you cannot wait to see them again. Do this each morning with two people, just two. And especially consider connecting with your new or early career teachers. And that's it. And that's it for this show. So thank you again for including me on your leadership journey. I look forward to seeing you again on Friday when we recap this week's daily emails. I'm Frederick Buskey, and thank you again for joining me on this episode of the Assistant Principal Podcast. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode.
1: Cheers.